the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits throughout the United States. If you would like to learn more about the line of credit program, please visit us at www.financingsolutionsnow.com or give us a call at 862-307-4118. On a personal level, I have 25 years of building uh, experience in building companies. And I had the privilege to speak with nonprofit executive directors on a daily basis. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app so you can hear future podcasts. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Greg Warner, CEO of MarketSmart. Hi, Greg, how you doing? What's going on? Uh, So today, I I took up competitive rowing this year. I'm 54 years old, and I took up competitive rowing. And uh, it the 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 uh, rowing club I belong to uh, is uh, about 150 members, and some of them are world champions. Some of them are you know like in the United States, they're at the top. And so I've been trying to gain their trust and letting me go out in a single skull. So I, I go out today, this morning at 6 a.m., and there's an, a boat coming in of eight uh, rowers. They're all the most experienced rowers. So I go out in the boat, and a skull, just for people to understand, it's only, only as big as your hip. So it's very tippy. So I go off the dock, and about within you know six feet, you know, and I've been out 20 times, I flip in the water (laughs) and I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, they're never going to let me go again. You know? And uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun and you know, you, you think about things and you say to yourself, you know what? I, you just got to try things and it makes life so much more exciting. I've, I, you know, I love rowing. It's, it's such a new, exciting thing at age 54 and uh, I'm actually pretty good at it, but it's been exciting. And, you know, it kind of relates to today's topic. Uh, you know, today, you know, Greg, what we're going to be talking a lot about is, oh, uh, you know, new strategies and fundraising for nonprofits. And, and I would imagine that, that maybe many nonprofits kind of get set in their ways about fundraising. Would you kind of agree with that? Well, yeah, a, a thousand percent answer is yes. Um, although I don't really blame the nonprofits for it. Uh, I, I think there, I have a lot of empathy for the leadership and, uh, and the staff. They're, they're sort of forced into a corner that makes it so that they, they have to keep doing what they've been doing, uh, even though it's probably not working. Uh, so I, you know, I, I can, ex- I, there's, there's bullet points to that, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they, they keep doing the same stuff. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so let's, let's talk, take a step back. Let's talk a little bit about your organization. Tell, tell us a mm-hmm. little bit about what you guys do. 
Yeah. So, firstly, really, uh, it's important for people to understand that I'm I'm a ticked off donor. All right. I, I I'm a guy who was getting pummeled with a lot of a lot of junk mail, a lot of uh, spam. I got asked to a lot of events. I went to events. I got shamed at events. You know, there's auctions at events. They make you feel bad. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, talking about uh, getting letters. I mean, uh, P- the nonprofits would put our names into some some kind of um, uh, repository where every other nonprofit gets our names, and then you know, you give to one nature organization. Next thing you know, you get ten more uh, solicitations. Or the one that I've been giving to uh, rec- decides that I'm super wealthy uh, when I'm maybe not as wealthy as they thought, and then they send me these oversized packages asking me for five or ten or twenty thousand dollars, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even saw from the wealth screening services that the initial ask for me should should was recommended from some algorithm to be $50,000. <laughs> I'm like, mm. are they wow. in, insane. So mm. yeah, I'm a ticked off donor. And what I basically did was I, I created a, a software and services system for the sector. And, and it, we're it, all around the world now that helps nonprofits be exponentially more polite, helps recognize that uh, giving major gifts is a highly considered decision that requires months and years, and it's not to be treated transactionally as most nonprofits treat fundraising. And as a result of the system, it makes donors happier, it makes them give more or inspires them to give more, and it ultimately helps fundraisers be the best they can be because they're not spending so much time hunting and doing uh, wild goose chases and coming up with false positives as a result of poor uh, prospect research or flimsy well screening data that, that drives them into brick walls. Uh, our, our system um, makes everybody happy. There, it's like a unicorn, you know, in a rainbow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I took a look at it before today's podcast. It seems like what it does, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it it seems to focus your energy based on who uh, you think has the highest potential uh, to give uh, the most as well, a donor. Uh, is that correct uh, or no? Uh, close. Mm. Uh, it. It's not about who we think. It's based on what the donors say. See, the way the sector has been doing it has been backwards, right? You get a name, somebody gives, they run a 5K, something like that. Then you you well screen them or you look at their transactional history. How many times did they give? What are the amounts of their giving? You know, you treat that like a stock, right? Nobody picks a stock purely based on the fact that it keeps going up. You look at a lot of things. You look at what's inside the company. What's the management structure? What's their vision? What? How do they 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 relate to the marketplace? I mean, if you really want to be good at picking stocks, you better not base your decision purely on the the past transactional or you know the past growth. Yet this is what nonprofits do with their RFM analysis, looking at recency, frequency, and monetary value of past giving. And they say, okay, so this goes into our algorithm that they're on an upward trend. So so there and then you add, you sprinkle in this fairy dust that's called well screening, right? So well screening 
only picks up a small portion of what a, uh, a donor's wealth is, if that. Because especially wealthy people know how to hide their money. They're certainly not publicizing the fact that they have a, a family trust that's got $5 million in it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, or their donor advised fund. I mean, you don't know how much is in that donor advised fund or their 401k. It's anything you get from wealth screening, as good as it may be, is still only the tip of the iceberg. So, so what we do instead of looking at that stuff to decide, and that's traditionally what the sector does. We just ask the donor. We just go right to them, starting with a donor survey, and we ask them, how does this charity rank compared to others? How is this this vision? Uh, is it of utmost importance to you or maybe not so important? Well, why is it so important? Who's the person who inspired you to care? What's the part of your life story that entwines with their mission that makes you care about this? And, and how influential is that to you? I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions in our survey, but we're basically doing donor discovery that's a major gift uh, strategic tactic is you have to, we're conducting that at scale with technology. So we call it tech enabled donor discovery so that it's the donor who's, who's dictating uh, how this relationship will go. Not, uh, not us presupposing how, how, who, who should be on our list. Does that make sense? It's mm. a, it's a, it's a gentle, but it's a very important distinction. Yeah. I said to me, it sounds high, you know, uh, Although it's not su super high tech, it's the high tech way of you know uh, having a fundraising campaign. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, sounds really smart. You know, well, we call it market smart. <laughs> That wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody says that, so I, I, I have that that loaded and ready to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, look, th there's th we've got several decades now of the sector getting enamored by big data. When the truth is, what they need is little data. Okay, big data leads to a lot of wild goose chases, time wasted, and so on. Uh, little data leads to exactly knowing precisely who cares, why they care, how they might want to give, when they might want to give, what is the likelihood of them giving. I mean, they'll answer all those questions if you just ask them, but the way to ask them is not to call them with a uh, cold call and try and land an appointment. The yeah, way yeah. to do it is to let them opt in and lean in in a convenient way that that is is frankly the way they want to communicate with the charity at first, which is at arm's length using their computer, their phone, their tablet, and such. Yeah, when you and I first started talking, um, you know what 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 uh, we could talk about on the podcast. Uh, you know, we jumped ahead a little bit. We were talking about your product and stuff like that, which I think makes sense. But, you know, the, the podcast is about new strategies. One of the things you mentioned to me was that the old strategy or the old method is that the, I think you're talking about the middle, uh, the middle tier of the donors is going away. Is that, is that what you were saying? <laughs> it's, it's worse than that. It's all donors are going away. Uh -huh. <laughs> so on average, the number of don't people giving to charity, especially in the States, is dropping by about 5% a year, mm. four, to, four to 5% a year. 
Okay, and this isn't me. This is the Nonprofit Times. This is the Chronicle of Philanthropy saying this. This is data being captured from Target Analytics, a, a blackboard company. I mean, and I see it in our free product that we give to people called the Fundraising Report Card, and we have benchmarks. We can, you know, give out the URL so that your your listeners can can use that. It's a free free app. But yeah, the number of people giving to charity is is disappearing. I mean, they're, they're, it's declining. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, which which I've I've uh, nobody else talks about it. I try and get the reporters to talk about it. They come up with things like it's the tax law. It's not the tax law. <laughs> it's not the tax law. It's 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 a whole lit- litany of other reasons why uh, why they're disappearing. Hmm. And and I call I call this disappearance. I call it fundraising climate change. And uh, it's happening, and it's only getting worse every single year. So the problem strategically for a lot of nonprofits is like, well, so what do we do? Do we do more events? Do we do more junk mail? Do we do more spam? All to get little, little you know, another $25 from another 100 or 1,000 people? Uh, that's not the answer. It's very expensive, and plus it re- ends up with a leaky bucket because only 20-something percent of those new donors are going to retain after one year, and only, I think, 17% on average after two years. Hmm. So what, what are you doing? I mean, it's, it's a waste of a lot of money and trees, frankly, when you're talking about paper. Yeah. So – how long did you go with this concept of the, the software that you use? How long has that been around? Well, so let's let's say that I got pissed off yeah. <laughs> in two in two thousand seven. Right, so it's 2019 now, but I was running a marketing agency that helped private sector companies generate leads for sales of big ticket items. Uh, I I I only offered what I, my strategy to my favorite nonprofit back in 2007. And then it was not until 2011, after we got so many referrals for people wanting to use this system, that I thought, well, hold on, maybe I should stop selling like windows and refrigerators and satellite dishes for our private sector clients. And maybe there's a hole here in the market that I didn't realize uh, and that nobody realized. And, And that hole is that this fundraising climate change is getting worse and that people need to be more strategic and not only use tech-enabled donor discovery, but they need to automate the cultivation process uh, to, to, to let the donors lean in and come forward when they're ready to make a major or a legacy or, or also known as a planned gift. See, b- people have written all these books about donor centricity, but nobody really does it. So we, I guess the, sh- the short answer is that it wasn't until 2011 that we really started building the software to be able to scale this for our customers and to be able to deliver this at scale to hundreds or thousands of customers around the world. What size would a nonprofit typically have to be in revenue to uh, uh, kind of benefit from the software? Well, they they could they could be very small. Um, well, but when I say very small, I'm saying a few million dollars, five million dollars a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our customers are probably more like seven or eight million in mm-hmm. revenue and up into mm-hmm. the hundreds of millions and even like billion dollar charities are using this. The thing is, though, for the smaller charities, is they usually uh, and talking about empathy from the very beginning of this conversation is they've got board pressure 
They've got, they're used to doing their yearly events. They're used to doing their, you know, traditional junk mail and all that stuff. And it's very hard for them to get off that wagon, if you will. Um, And, and there's, they have reason to be afraid. Also, they're more interested often in the transactional nature. Like it's easier to sign a purchase order for uh, some printing and then it, the, you know, the, the money goes out to pay for that and then money comes back in maybe at two to one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. right? So it's easier for a leader of a nonprofit to do that than to do what we're, we recommend they do, which is to conduct tech-enabled donor discovery, pinpoint exactly which donors are saying they want to have a conversation about making a major impact, go out and visit with those people, have lunch, have dinner, have five, seven meetings over two and a half years, and then close a $5 million gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Most most leaders, and I, I don't mean to sound, you know, I, I don't know how this will come off to all your listeners, but I understand, you know, most leaders don't have the aptitude for that. It's almost like one to one selling aptitude. If you don't have that, and, and you'd, you know, you're you're more comfortable signing that purchase order, uh, then then we're not really for you. But if you have that aptitude, and you're like, yeah, I love meeting with supporters. Well, then at seven million dollars a year, you'd probably benefit from our system because heck, one one lead, although we'd probably generate hundreds or a thousand or something, one solid lead could be all you need to pay for the system for the next 20 years. Your smallest client that you have, uh, any guess what the revenue might be for them? Yeah, it's, it's in that lower area. It's only, uh, uh, it's under 10 million. And what's more important is interestingly is when we started with them, uh, they only had 880 emails for us. Mm. And, and, and I, 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 oftentimes people say, don't you need 50,000 or a hundred thousand emails or even 10,000? I said, it's not about the number of emails. It's about the quality of the emails. Do these people really care about your mission or did they just attend an event because their friend told them to go for a run? You know, so with these 800 emails, we got a 54% response rate to this, to the survey. I mean, this is unusual by the way. I mean, usually we get between two and 10% completion rate. Now, just to get an email opened, by the way, you don't get 54% of emails opened or clicked on normally. But for this client, we got more than that. And and we got a 54% um, uh, completion rate to the survey. Right, right. So where do you think you're headed as a company right now? I mean, where is fundraising heading for nonprofits, where where are you? Are, are there other ways that you're going to take this product and 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 change? And the reason I ask is that you are you kind of caught a wave here um, where what you're seeing with across the United States is you know there's limited people in the middle, there's only a, a select few at the top, and you have to prioritize your time marketing in essence to those people if they're the right people. Uh, where would where will you see your, the fundraising go after uh, where we are right now? Yeah, well, um, the trend is that fi- fundraising climate change is not going to stop. It's only going to get worse. And and when I say fundraising climate change, 
uh, just it's probably important in case people don't Google it and get my report on that. The 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 issue is that uh, the average person is now less religious. So uh, if 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 religion in in the U.S. is 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 declining, so to speak, that you have less tithing. And um, and whatever else comes with religion, I mean, the, the the data shows that that's one of the biggest reasons why people give, and they give to religious causes, right? So mm-hmm. if if less and less people are religious, uh, then that's going to have a, a a big problem. Also, you have the aging population is actually a good thing, but in twenty something years, when these baby boomers are all gone, you're going to have. I mean, I'm a Generation Xer. We're just not that big of a population, right? But uh, at the same time, uh, you know, people will say, well, there's tax, uh, the, the new tax law is causing this. Well, it really isn't because people are going to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and they're buying Netflix. You know, they're given the same amount of money they would have given a charity to other things. So, uh, you know, all the, and, you know, I don't want to get into politics here, but, you know, unemployment is way down. Wages are increasing. Inflation is moderate. Consumer confidence is up. As of right now, all the indicators are there. People have money in their pockets, but they're not giving it to charity. And here, I'll I'll just fast forward to the, to the, to the big thing. People are pissed off. Nobody likes getting spam and junk mail, man. Nobody likes getting over solicited and everybody, everybody, including the executive directors of the, of the charities, when they really think about what charities they give to and why, it always boils down to what value do I get out of my relationship with this charity? How do they make me feel good? How do they make me feel like a hero in my own life story? How do they make me feel like I'm making a difference, like I'm making impact, like I have a community that I believe in and a a cause that I support? You know, that's what they ask themselves. And that's what donors are asking themselves. It's the days of getting a letter in the mail and thinking, well, yeah, that picture of that girl looks sad. I'll give her 50 bucks. That is just not happening that way. And plus, people have all kinds of channels to be able to uh, de- try to determine which charities are. Re- nobody trusts. That's also the big factor is nobody trusts charities to do good with their money. I mean, there's all kinds of reports mm-hmm. on donor trust. Uh, De- depleting and 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 diminishing. Uh, I mean, you could just go to the Edelman uh, Trust Barometer. That's uh, E D E L M A N. Uh, last year, uh, among uh, the quote unquote informed public, which is the public that gives to charity, trust was down eighteen percent for nonprofits. I mean, so yeah. I, I I know I'm yeah. going on and on about this, but yeah, there's. A, yeah. Well, no, it's all you know. It's all good stuff. It really, you know, it's uh, everything you say is is a little eye opening. I think at times, and maybe you know, I think we all know trust factors going down, but to also you know cite statistics. That's pretty. It's good to see that. I mean, that good to see that there's you know people tracking it. Uh, I, I so let me ask you a question. If if you know, where we have about five minutes left. <laughs> that went fast. If, you know, <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, so if you had some recommendations for, uh, you know, I guess you're dealing with executive directors and you're dealing with yeah, fundraising yeah. Uh, directors, right? Uh, if you had some recommendations for them uh, about 
new technologies, new ways of raise fundraising. We've talked a lot about today. Uh, you know, what would you say to them? Wow. Okay. So that's um, what I would say is actually, let me go up a level, a higher level is that you have to understand that the transactional hands-off um, uh, sign a purchase order and pray that the money comes in. That's all going away because the pie and of people is disappearing. That people don't want to be um, engaged in in that manner, right? So if you, as a leader, uh, prefer and enjoy <laughs> that aspect is signing that purchase order so you can go out and work with the programs and and be you know then i suggest you reconsider that or you'll go out of business frankly you know what what you yeah, need to yeah. re and and you need to reevaluate that and understand that it's not a it's no longer a transactional game it's a hand-to-hand combat game. It's a one-to-one relationship-building game, which doesn't mean one-to-many messaging. It means one-to-one messaging. And the trick is to figure out who is ha- truly has capacity, not this well-screening kind of capacity, and who says that they want to give it to your cause or are likely to consider doing that uh, because their life story entwines with your mission. There's a connection there. So as far as technologies yeah. go, and this is a very self-serving answer, is that that's what our 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 system does. Now, if you don't want to use our our technology, or if you don't be- believe me, that's why I built the fundraising report card. Is because you could just put in your data in the fundraising report card, and it'll show you the trend. Like, is is the revenue growing among a few people and and a few a small percent of your donors? And is it is are you retaining them? Are you losing them? You know, wh- where's your 80-20? Where's your Pareto principle, if you will? Um, and and you should look at that and and create your strategy for how you raise money based on on the data. Uh, don't do it because don't create your strategy based on what you like and dislike. You know, I like to sign purchase orders. I dislike meeting with donors. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, I, it all makes sense, doesn't it? And I, I would think it's so much more, like, so much more enjoyable to 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 work with those people on a one on one basis. I guess you have to be the that type of person, though, right? Well, as long as you understand uh, what fundraising really is, a lot of people, a lot of board members really don't, should not be leading organizations and, and, and on the board if they think of fundraising as begging or soliciting. Yeah. See, so if, if, if they think that and they get scared and they think to themselves, well, I didn't sign up for this and I don't want to meet with donors and I, I don't want to beg and ask and cajole and manipulate, that's not what I do. Well, then you have a misunderstanding of what fundraising really is because fundraising is all about facilitating. Yeah. It's not actually fundraising. It's about finding out these deep needs, this pent-up desires of how these people want to live on after their lifetime in the minds of others or live as the hero in their own life story, knowing that they did good. Your job is not to solicit them. Your job is to help them understand that if they work with you, 
and give the money to your organization, you will do the great work on their behalf that they can't possibly do all on their own. It's an exchange of money for value, and you're just the facilitator for them. So if you think of yourself as a solicitor, you got it all wrong. If you think of yourself as a facilitator, you're on your way. Well, it makes complete sense. And I think, you know, a lot of today's podcast, I think, gives a lot of people some opportunity to rethink their fundraising uh, efforts and, you know, maybe to apply some new principles, take take a look at your, you know, your company, take a look at that. What was the... Uh, the report again that they can uh, do for free. Sure, sure, sure. So here I'll I'll shout out a, a whole bunch of stuff if people are interested in researching any of this. Okay, <laughs> number one is fundraising climate change. Just Google that term or fundraising climate change market smart. You know, and you'll find our report on. It's very short. It's like twelve pages. Really easy to read. A lot of pictures, <laughs> <laughs> right? You want the long story? Just go to Amazon, and you can get my book. It's called Engagement Fundraising by me, Greg Warner. And if you don't have the money to do that, just you know, find me on LinkedIn and uh, and and ping me, and I'll send it to you for free. I I don't make any money from my book anyway. I give all the the money from it to charity. Uh, to support diabetes research. Mm. Uh, number three is the fundraising report card, which is a free app that we created. And now there's about 5,000 organizations that put their data in there so that they could see where they're losing their donors. Where are they retaining them? What's their retention rate? What's, uh, uh, you know, what's their investment return on uh, these low dollar transactional solicitations compared to the the high dollar uh, major gifts and legacy gifts. Uh, and, and then there's on that page at the fundraisingreportcard.com, there's at the top, it says benchmarks. So you can look at the benchmarks for the whole sector uh, or even like just by on the right, there's a tab for selecting for uh, sectors like hospitals or environment and, and such. Great. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's there's tons of other free stuff on my website at imarketsmart.com. Uh, lots of training modules. All the I give everything away except for our core system. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I'd like to thank you so very much for speaking to us today. Uh, it, you know, if uh, as a listeners, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend, and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118, or you can visit uh, financingsolutionsnow.com. A lot of food for thought. Lastly, if you feel your nonprofit has a unique story relating to how your nonprofit is applying business or leadership tools, please uh, contact me. We're always looking for speakers for our podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you for making the world a better place.